You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to Becky L Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross and Joe Ostrowski here with you. That was Florida's win over Utah last year. And Thursday night, we will have a rematch between the Gators and the Utes. Kelly Ford is here to preview that game and the rest of the college football slate for week one. So, Kelly, on the one hand, Florida is having to change its travel plans because of the impending hurricane. Uh, Looks like a really dangerous one uh, out in the southeast. So they're changing uh, their travel plans, uh, getting to Dallas uh, yesterday and then en route to Salt Lake City for today. That's on the one hand. But on the other hand, the quarterback situation in Utah is still very much up in the air to the point where the line has moved again. Now Florida is just a three and a half point underdog. With all of this new information, Kelly, what's something that we need to be mindful of when betting on this game? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I appreciate you guys having me on. This game is definitely an interesting one uh, for some of the reasons that you've outlined there. Also, Cam Rising's health status is another thing that we're tracking on. For me, this is the number two game of the week, uh, all week, with a watchability rating of 88.6 behind only LSU, Florida State. My numbers actually have Utah minus seven and a half. You know, that's assuming a healthy Cam Rising. That's assuming all the other conditions to be, you know, typical and standard, which we know is not always the case. The model doesn't capture everything. Utah, for me, power rated number 15. They have the nation's number 12 projected offense. That's actually only good enough for fourth best in the Pac-12. That conference has so many good offenses out there. Projecting the number 22 defense for this Utah team, that's best in the Pac-12, actually. Um, Florida, on the other hand, power rated 25. I think my model's a little bit higher on the Gators than some others that are out there. I have this as the number 23 offense and the number 46 defense. So uh, for me, the difference here, even if Cam Rising doesn't play, is that Utah offense number 12 against that number 46 Florida defense. Uh, Another thing to keep track of here from a scheduling perspective, you know, Florida, it's not really a look ahead spot. Not that it would be anyway, but they've got McNeese coming to town next week. Utah, just keep in mind, they have to go to Baylor next week. So that's what's coming up for them. I don't think this is a look ahead for Utah, though. You played the soundbite from last year's game. This is a revenge game for the Utes. They were defeated 26-29 last year in Gainesville, so I don't think they'll be looking ahead, but seven and a half points is what my numbers make it. Uh, It's a 70% win expectancy for the Utes. Okay, very good. Uh, You know, Kelly, why why just go in chronological order when we've got LSU, Florida State, and everybody's going to want to bet on that game, so they want some insight on that matchup come Sunday night. LSU favored by two and a half. This is, I think, is interesting on both sides. There are a a lot of people thinking both of these teams are going to be in the mix for a playoff spot once we get to the end of the season. What is your outlook for this uh, this game and these teams on this year? There's been a big move on LSU for the title at BetMGM. They went from 20 to one down to 12 to one, and a lot of lot of talk about the Knolls to see if they can back it up again. 
Yeah, this is definitely the biggest game of the slate this week. I'm very excited about it, Ford. I know everyone in college football is. My numbers right now have LSU minus four. It's a 61% win expectancy Man. for the Tigers. I know. And, and you could say, well, wait a minute. Florida State won this game last year. Now it's actually in Orlando. Last year it was in New Orleans. To me, as we look back, both these teams overachieved last year, uh, both in the top 20 of my biggest overachievers. Coming into this year, I have LSU power rated number five. I think it's going to be a very good Tiger team. Florida State, they're power rated number 11, and they were actually number 10 last week. Notre Dame slid just past them following the Irish's impressive week zero performance against Navy. Uh, it's a very close matchup on both sides of the ball, guys. Uh, I give LSU the slight edge, um, but all four of these units, offense, defense, both sides, are top 20 in the country. Um, Maybe the biggest difference is the Tigers' offense is number 10. The Seminoles have the number 19 projected uh, defense. So that could be something there. Uh, this is a revenge game for LSU. It's on their mind. They got beat by one point end of, end of the game last year in New Orleans, their own backyard. So uh, these are two really good teams. I have LSU as an underdog in only one game all year. That is week 10 at Alabama. Florida State, only an underdog in two games all year. This game right here, neutral side against LSU. And then week four, they have to go to Clemson. If Florida State is able to get this win, and if they then beat Clemson, I mean, I, I don't know where the loss is going to be. They're, they're almost a virtual lock, and I hate to say that after four weeks, but they're almost a virtual lock to be in the ACC championship game with then a very good chance yeah. to make the CFP. LSU, while a loss isn't going to kill them in terms of their season goals, this isn't even a conference game, it does put them back a little bit uh, because now you've already got the one loss on the schedule. It is a very tough schedule, top 10 most difficult in the country by my numbers. You can't slip up too many more times if you're going to have a chance to make that CFP, which I know is what the people in Baton Rouge are expecting. When it comes to your projections, how much have you changed anything at all during the offseason when it comes to the new clock rules? And is there anything from week zero we can take away as far as totals or fewer possessions or anything like that? Yeah, I definitely think the newer clock rules are going to have an impact on your totals. And it is going to decrease the plays, decrease the number of possessions. We only had seven FBS versus FBS games in week zero. So I know there was some commentary on social media about, you know, what the impact here is and did it achieve what we were trying to achieve in terms of shortening the game. That's too small of a sample size for me to make uh, any real conclusions from. Uh, but in terms of my model, no, I, I didn't make any changes to – my power rating model, because what I'm trying to do, Ed, um, is figure out really and, and minimize the the error and, and, and uh, the difference between teams. So I'm trying to figure out who is better than who and by how many. The total piece, I do have that in the model. I'm not public with that. I'm not outward facing for it um, since I don't sports I don't sports wager based on my job being in college athletics as an administrator. So to me, the totals, I know this is a betting show, a gambling show. That's really what the aspect <laughs> is for it. But my model doesn't necessarily um, outwardly um, show those numbers. And so for me, didn't have to do too much to it. Doing a lot of writing over at thelines.com for various things, including this space. So uh, I talk about it there as well, but not too much learned from week zero. Week one is going to give us a good idea and we'll really know what the impact is, you know, by the first quarter of the season. Week four, week five, we'll have a really good idea and Vegas is going to adjust and so are the Sharps out there. We, we were talking about the, the move in the Florida game. It's not alone. I mean, there are a handful of games that are moving, like a ton of moves here uh, before the season really kicks into high gear here. What is the biggest discrepancy you see from the, from the current point spread and your numbers, what you have these games at? Does, is, is there anything just screaming like, okay, just based on your numbers, you think a, a bet should be made here? 
Yeah. Um, and again, I, I don't necessarily put my, you know, I don't say I'd recommend this bet, but you do have my numbers. They're out there. You can see them and people can use them for what they are. One that has been moving uh, has been the Purdue Fresno state game uh, moving towards Fresno state. My numbers like Purdue by about six. I think in that game, it was six and a half for a long time during the summer here. And now as the game time has gotten closer and closer, it's creeping closer and closer to Fresno state. I think it maybe is like minus three or three and a half right now. Maybe um, I, if it gets much closer to, to three, uh, I think Purdue, has some significant value there uh, based on my numbers because it's not just, you know, what are the projected strengths of these teams? It's also Fresno State's coming across three time zones, and this is a noon Eastern kick. So they're, they're playing this game at nine local. Uh, it's the first game for Ryan Walters, head coach at Purdue. Uh, I think the fans are going to be excited. It's going to be a tough environment. Winning on the road is the toughest thing to do in college football. I say that all the time. doesn't matter who you are and where you're going. It's hard. So that's one that the line movement's kind of surprising to me, and it's getting to the point where um, my numbers would suggest maybe there is some value as it crosses, crosses some key numbers there. He is Kelly Ford. Make sure to follow him on X at K Ford Ratings here on BeckQL Daily. We were talking about the Heisman uh, earlier in the program. Uh, what's interesting to me is that a lot of these programs that are very much in playoff contention, which almost seems to be a requirement as far as potentially winning the Heisman. It's not a whole lot of quarterback continuity there. A lot of guys uh, are very much unknowns, but where we have seen some real continuity is with say JJ McCarthy out of Michigan or to an extent, Jaden Daniels uh, out of LSU. How much of that continuity do you feel like is really important when looking at this Heisman race in late August? Yeah, again, late August, we're a long way away and people are going to have their <laughs> signature Heisman moments and, and everything will kind of take shape as it always does. But yeah, I really don't know how much the quote continuity matters. And that's, you look at it, how many underclassmen, how many non-seniors have won the Heisman just in the last decade? None of them have repeated. There's only been one, and then, and then to come back to school, None of them have repeated. Only one, Archie Griffin back in the 70s, of course, has done this. So I'm talking about Caleb Williams. I mean, he's the one that you'd think, okay, he won it last year. He's coming back. The team should be even better. The offense is going to keep humming. Hopefully that defense has improved and they're able to achieve more team goals this year than last. I don't know if continuity really matters because you not Caleb Williams, for example, he doesn't just have to be the best player in the country or the best quarterback in the country since that's really what this award has become. He needs to be better than he was last year. And so building on that, because that's what he's going to be judged against, not just everyone else in this year, but his, his stat line in 2022, you said it, Ed. It's this award, and I don't necessarily love it. I think defensive players, uh, you know, Will Anderson recently was one, and Dominic and Sue a decade ago is another one, should have had more of a chance to win this award because I do think they were the best players in college football in those years, the most impactful players. That's not how this award is voted on. It's not how it's given. It goes to the quarterback or, in rare instances, a, a skill position player if that player is the best player on that their team and their team then is playing in the CFP or playing for the national championship. Um, a quarterback of a contending team that's won 10-plus games. I mean, that's basically what this award boils down to. That's why you see, you know, Caleb Williams is going to be up there again. Jordan Travis is going to be up there. Cade Klubnick, I think, is an interesting one because I expect Clemson to have a better win-loss record this year. Uh, Michael Penix Jr., of course. Bo Nix out in the Pac-12. Drake May. All, all these guys. Can, can, consistency, congruency, I don't think it makes that big of a difference because you're going to get some Heisman moments, and Heisman voters like to vote for someone new. We've seen that year over year. Game we have not talked about that has your attention, that you're, you're looking forward to uh, sitting down and, and watching this one and maybe learning something. 
Yeah, I guess I'll go with my number three game of the week in terms of my watchability. We talked about the top two, LSU, Florida State, and Florida, Utah. The number three game for me is a rivalry game, which I love. Um, I don't love it at a neutral site, but I'll take it. I won't complain too much. We've had no college football for long enough. It's North Carolina, South Carolina. They're playing in Charlotte. Uh, it's prime time. It's my number one primetime game of Saturday. Um, it's an 83-game score on the 0-100 to 100 scale. My numbers have North Carolina minus three, which is a 58% win expectancy. But, guys, this, that's, that's a toss-up. I'm excited to see both these teams. Both these teams have very high expectations for their seasons. And this, I don't want to overhype or overemphasize a week one game. There's a lot of football left to be played. And we've seen teams get off to slow starts and have great years. But this is, this is kind of a hinge game for these teams already here in week one. They both want it. They both need it if they're going to achieve their win-loss records that they want. I have North Carolina power rated 23. South Carolina's power rated 36. These teams are very similar. They're, they're, they're good, high-powered offenses and an average defense. I, I view these defenses very similarly, both in the mid-60s. The difference for me in the game, North Carolina's offense projecting it to be just a little bit better. We talked about the Heisman. Drake May, of course, is going to be in that conversation. Last year, when his offensive line could keep him upright – he put up some big numbers, and they were winning some games and some shootouts. Late in the year, the offensive line kind of fell apart. He didn't have time to do things, and their season kind of fell apart as a result. If they can keep him upright and he's able to do what he does best, North Carolina will be a team to keep an eye on. I only project them to be an underdog in one game all year. That's Week 12 at Clemson. they got to get this one, though, if they're going to be talking legit you know, ACC champion. This doesn't affect the ACC, but if, we, if this team's for real in the ACC, I think they need to win this game to prove it to themselves, and to the rest of the country. So I'm excited about this one. It's a rivalry right out of the gate. I like it. I get that the SEC has the usual suspects in contention to win the conference. Georgia, obviously, Alabama, LSU is part of that conversation as well. Is there any possibility that there is a fourth team, maybe Joe Milton with Tennessee or Texas A&M with all of those great recruiting classes? Is there any chance that there is a dark horse to contend for that conference title? And as much as I want to give you something to talk about here, my numbers don't support that. Uh, I've got Georgia with an 88% chance to win the East. Tennessee is second with a 9% chance. I mean, so it's there, 1 in 10, but it's not, it's not, it's not good. The, the West is a little bit more competitive, but still just a top two. As you said, Alabama, a 63% chance to make it to Atlanta. LSU, a 31% chance. You mentioned Texas A&M. They do come in number three for me with a 3% chance to win the West. So it's a three-horse race. I'll be, I'll be very surprised. Uh, like shocked almost if anybody other than those three teams are in Atlanta doesn't mean it can't happen I would I was shocked TCU did what they did last year Um, so it can happen but the numbers right now view it as a three-team race is there a team that you love your numbers love that kind of flying under the radar not the Georgia Bama Ohio State Michigan uh, not of that oak with top four on the odds board maybe a, a team that you don't think people are talking enough about going in yeah, if I'm looking you know, at my CFP contenders list, there's not really too many surprises on there. I do think that Clemson's being overlooked a little bit. I talked about them at Kate Klubnick. They're my favorite in the ACC. They have the six best odds to make the CFP by my numbers, 24% chance currently. So they're a team, you know, you can say, well, Kelly, they're a favorite in the ACC, so they don't really count for this. Um, but I, I do think they're worth mentioning. My numbers still like Oklahoma, just based on the talent roster that they have and how they've recruited recently, a 14% chance to make the CFP. They're really not getting any love, I don't think, in the Big 12, even though I have them projected to be the second-best team in the Big 12. You know, Texas is always a sexy pick. Kansas State and TCU were in the title game last year. Uh, Texas Tech is a sexy pick right now for a lot of people, but don't sleep on Oklahoma. I think they still do have the talent to get there. Um, And then I think I mentioned this the last time I was on, uh, Oregon State is a team – 
that, you know, I, I have power rated in the, in the 20s, but their schedule is the easiest in the Pac-12. They don't have to play that round robin versus all the Pac-12 contenders at the very top. Only a 4% chance to make the CFP, but this is a team, as I look at my conference standings projections, 18% chance to make it to Las Vegas. That's fifth best in the conference behind the big four suspects that you would have. So Oregon State's another one to maybe keep an eye on. If DJU is able to play up to that five-star status, as I think we've talked about before, um, he's, mm -hmm. th that has the potential with that schedule. About 30 seconds left here, Kelly. What are the possibilities that a Pac-12 team, any of them, can make the college football playoff? <laughs> They're good. I mean, I, I like it. Those four teams at the top, USC, Oregon, Utah, Washington, but they got to all play each other. And as has been the case in recent years, they tend mm -hmm. to cannibalize each other. I wouldn't be surprised if it happened again, but those are the four most likely for sure. I'd love to see it. It hasn't happened since 2016. Kelly Ford, follow him on X at KFordRatings. Thank you so much for your time. We greatly appreciate it. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, our favorite NFC divisional plays and insights right here on the BetQL Network.